Uh, we've got some market commentary and analysis from a returning guest. It's been a while since we've had Craig Hemke from TF Metals report onto the show. Craig, uh, volatility abound in the markets. In fact, if there's any silver lining, Craig, here it is. Gold is outperforming the stock market. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! <laughs> so we got that going for us. Um, finally, finally. <laughs> yeah, relative to uh, the sudden slam of whatever that was last Thursday. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure we are, but anyway, yeah, it's going to be. This is going to be some kind of week, brother. Yes, it is. Um, so let's see. We've been trading. We're recording here Monday morning, two hours into the market open. S&P is down just over 1.5%. NASDAQ's down 2%. Dow Jones down 1.5%. Uh, gold is actually up a little bit. Got a little bounce, 1764 futures basis. Uh, silver, though, is relatively flat, $22.35. Uh, this is all volatility from the ongoing saga from Evergrande. Uh, Craig, I know you're not the Evergrande expert here, but from what you, I mean, can you put some kind of, just give us the 30,000 foot view of Chinese markets and why Evergrande is in such trouble and this is spilling over globally? Well, it, uh, I've got a couple of people on my site. It's one of the fun things about TFMR is that we got people from around the world. And uh, early last week, a few of them chimed in, you know, who have spent time uh, actually lived in, dealt in the financial sector in Hong Kong and also in Shenzhen. And uh, both of those people were like, hey, look, man, um, this is a Ponzi scheme, is all this is. You know, a classic like uh, Madoff-esque type Ponzi scheme, right? Where, you know, you, you take in new money and you pay off the older investors, you know, and you try to keep it going that way. And uh, that's what, then these people are like, this is the way this has been for, I mean, people first figured this out three or four years ago. So uh, the company structured the way it is, you know, and, and being a real estate company, they're constantly going to be short of cash, you know, and trying to build it bigger and bigger. And there's some of their loans and debt started getting called uh, back in July. And now here we are, uh, kind of this cascading effect. The only thing nobody really knows for sure is, you know, is this a global systemic thing or what, you know, is it just contained to China? Either way, it's not good. Um, and and I, what concerns me most about China, um, you know, is, is this notion of how many, how many commodities they're buying, you know, uh, we've already seen iron ore fall dramatically, uh, overnight and you can see it across the board as we speak, copper's down two and a half percent and palladium's down four and a half percent. And you go down the list, zinc, Lead, nickel, tin—they're all down one to two percent. And so, uh, even if this is contained in terms of you know global, you know, great financial crisis kind of stuff, uh, just the impact it may have on the Chinese economy then will trickle down, uh, not only to the commodities but then globally, uh, economically. So this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it, it's just been fascinating. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall for the last, I would say, week and a half, just as uh, your your friends on your chat have uh, have mentioned on the website. Uh, but the spillover here is pretty interesting because I'm just looking at charts and I'm not a terribly great technician at charts. But with this huge gap down, especially in the S&P chart here, Craig, yeah. uh, that breaks that long-term upward trend that started from the COVID hit in May of, or March of last year. Yeah. This is a big deal. 
Yeah, um, there's a guy on Twitter that I follow uh, named Sven Henrik who writes a website called Northman Trader. And he does a pretty fair job uh, and he's objective. And he's been watching that same chart now for months. And it's what a technician would call an ascending wedge. And uh, typically, you know, they think of a wedge just kind of working into a corner. Um, and that's, you know, with kind of the highs aren't moving up as fast. And so you kind of get this kind of tip over. And that's broken down today. Um, that's noteworthy. Um, you, I, the other thing I've been watching just for the last year is the 50-day moving average in the S&P 500. And that thing, I, I think, the, I don't know, I'd have to I just pull up a chart this morning, but I don't have it in front of me. I, it's bounced from the 50-day eight or nine times, mm-hmm. even just this year, calendar year alone, nine months, maybe breaks down for a day and then immediately recovers. And so depending on, you know, your predisposition, this is either a great time to buy the dip again and expect the stock market to rally back. Or man, if it rolls over, starts making lower lows versus um, uh, August 19th, which is the previous time it had broken down a month ago, um, that's going to start getting some attention. You might get some momentum to the downside. And that's actually where the S&P bounced at the open this morning is at that, that same spot. And as we record, it's kind of clinging to that level right around 4355, 4360. Yeah, that uh, that 50-day. Well, I guess I, 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 let me step back here. I don't have the right I, I don't have the right moving averages, so I won't go there before I start feeding people wrong information. Um, uh, Craig, so last week I had a chance to talk with Julian Brigden in a long form interview. It was an hour and a half long, great conversation, but there was a couple notes here. Listen, when we talk about cycles, credit cycles, and we're seeing companies like Evergrande obviously being over leveraged and getting called on, here's one for you. 400% of world, the total global debt is 400% of world GDP. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's the end of the great Keynesian experiment, as I've always called it. I remember I, when I first got started at Zero Hedge, I mean, this would be like 08 or 09. You know, it was kind of a trendy little cute thing to add on your own little tagline to every comment. And uh, so I thought, oh, you know what? And I just came up with the end of the great Keynesian experiment is upon us. Prepare accordingly. And that's been a tagline of TF Metals Report ever since. You know, what you don't know is how long the plates can keep spinning. Yeah, maybe it goes to 600%, Trevor, 800%, who knows? But uh, the math gets so outrageous toward the end that kind of like Evergrande, it kind of collapses on itself. You miss one step and the whole thing, poof. Um, yeah, we go back to 2008 or nine. would I have thought we made it to 2021? Yeah, you, no, but I didn't know how many, you know, how, how extreme that level could get. But man, there are signs everywhere of problems. And I guess as it relates to this week, you've now got this Evergrande situation. We'll see how it plays out. Um, a number of other factors overhanging things. And people actually think the Fed's going to come out and announce some type of taper schedule? <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I can't decide if I find it ironic or fitting that there's an FOMC meeting this week. Yeah. Well, and then you think, too, about... Uh, goons Kaplan and Rosengren. Kaplan was actually, you know, they're doing their insider trading. Kaplan is actually an FOMC voting member, and he's trading S&P futures. I mean, dude, that's a very definition of insider trading. It's the ultimate definition of insider trading. Nobody gives a shit. That's all right, whatever. Hey, as long as the plates keep spinning and I'm making money, no problem. I mean, that's just all 
end of empire, you know, total corruption type of collapse, you know, where there is no rule of law uh, except for all of us plebes, you know, and the elites can do whatever they want. And I mean, man, uh, the, the fact that that news all came out basically right at the most recent high in the S&P, wouldn't it be funny if that becomes the all time or the, you know, the, the high in the S&P for some period to come? You know, oh, yeah, we just discovered these ethics violations right here at the top. <laughs> what a joke. Uh, you know, I got to admit, Craig, uh, over the weekend, uh, it was I, it was kind of, I think it was Saturday night. It was up, uh, you know, the rest of the family had gone to bed. It's like, ah, maybe I'll lay here and watch a movie because it's been some time. Uh, f- what appropriate time to watch Margin Call. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when you talk about over-leveraged markets and seeing repercussions we're seeing the spillover from evergrande in china into the global markets especially here in the united states now but what you know what are something is is there a few things you're watching particularly here in the u.s to on to really get a grasp of really the what could potentially happen the reaction here in u.s markets you know what is going to be that sign like that oh shit sign. This is this is the real deal. This is not just a quick pullback correction. Well, you're going to want to watch that S and P versus that 50 day moving average. Um, if it's it kind of feeds on itself, you know, if you get kind of a liquidation going. Now, again, to the extent that there's what 1.1 trillion dollars quarantined every night in the Fed's reverse repo program, that you know could just be waiting to buy the dip. <laughs> seeking a better return than the five basis points that the Fed's paying. Um, I mean, it'd be pretty easy for the thing to reverse. So you'll have to watch to see if that reaches a point of critical mass where it starts to dump. I, I, I suspect we won't get there is just my inkling, mm-hmm. but we just don't know. You can't know uh, how closely um, all these things are related. You know, how, how much exposure uh, the big global banks have to the credit cycle in China. You know they have some, but is it like 2008 where Bank A owns a debt of Bank B, which owns a debt of Bank C, which owns a debt of Bank A? You know, mm-hmm. and then the, you know the whole thing spirals apart. And that we, I don't know if if we can tell that, but well, I'll watch the stock market. That's for sure. I'll like, I'll watch closely the yield on the 10-year note too. I mean, that would be a telling signal if all of a sudden. The, you know, when that's down four or five basis points today, if it starts plowing back under one and a quarter, that's going to be a telling signal too, as you, if you're trying to connect the dots and see where we go from here. Yeah. Uh, give us your sense on what precious metals are doing here today. I mean, obviously the bounce in, in gold, uh, it seems to be, that's what gold should be doing on a day like today. Yeah. <laughs> that fear, that fear trade here, this is where you should be. Uh, but it's not exactly, you know, making up for lost ground and lost last week. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, at the risk of, you only blame manipulation when it goes down. You know, that kind of BS. Um, I do think there's been a movement afoot this entire year to keep the trend downward in the futures price. Uh, Whether that's for banks to buy and allocate as much physical metal as they can ahead of uh, next year, I, I don't know. But if I go back to... Uh, let's just, you know, we had a natural pullback off of the all-time highs for gold back in uh, August of last year. And we started to recover. And then you get Biden elected and you think, oh boy, 
Well, that ought to be bullish. You know, the spending train is not going to stop. And in the first two or three days after that, you had a pretty significant rally. And then on November the 9th, we get the Pfizer news. And you get this $100 down day that smashes that. Since now the first of the year, just the first of the year, uh, first, now we're not even three quarters in, Trevor. <laughs> there are 16 massive red candles on the daily chart of at least $30 more down, so like 1.5%. 16. Now, there are some green candles too, but most of them are buried within like a counter trend rally. Almost all of the 16 come right at a point where price was ready to finally make a higher high and look to break out. So there's, to me, a, definitely a concerted effort to keep price, uh, especially in gold, trending lower. So we'll watch. Um, you know, it's trying to get back above 1760 today, which is an important level. But I, you know, I after the smash last week from out of the blue on Thursday, um, yeah, I would say 1720 is an area to watch. 1700. Obviously, everybody's watching 1680. If you know we get into some kind of global margin call event, silver has me more concerned just because. It is considered a commodity, an industrial commodity at that. Uh, and China obviously is a consumer and all that kind of stuff. If this China credit impulse and, and the Chinese demand all of a sudden stops um, and all commodities start to free fall, and if in a kind of risk off environment, the dollar rallies, well, then we're going to take out 22. Um, on a daily basis, not so, you know, that's maybe not as alarming as if it would be on a weekly basis. If we take out 22, we've got probably at least another 10% down, which would just absolutely stink. Nobody would have any fun with that at all. But we're going to watch 22 on a weekly basis. As long as it stays above 22 on a weekly basis, and we're still just continuing to flag sideways in the same thing that began about 15 months ago. But we start breaking down through 22, and uh, it's not going to be much fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, on days like this, when there is a lot of volatility, uh, you know, and you're maybe a little concerned about precious metals, Craig, it's always important to close that daily chart and really look at the longer term charts, yeah. the weekly, the monthly. Mm -hmm. uh, when you do that, you know, it kind of makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, especially on the gold chart. I feel I feel pretty good, especially after last month in August when we had that huge drop and actually ended the month up a little bit, which was pretty fascinating to see. Yeah. There is a quite a game of, you know, push and pull going on the gold price right now, but it continues to hold strong on those longer term charts. And I, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts here and like re-emphasizing, you know, the monthly close is going to be really telling, especially now that we have that FOMC meeting, this ever grand volatility at the end of September. It's just a really fascinating time. Yeah, quarterly close as well, uh, coming up here in 10 days. So we'll paint those charts too. The longer term, you know, the more significant they are in terms of trend. No doubt about that. So yeah, no, we'll watch that very closely. You know, gold on the long-term chart, you'd expect it, you know, after it broke out above really 1,800 to kind of that would be your consolidation level. And that's where we've been here for a number of months now. You know, and the thing, the way I still think to look at the silver chart I just mentioned, you know, we went from, Really, uh, maybe April of 2013 to July of 2020, so more than seven years in a range roughly bounded between 14 and 18. You know, that's a long time for producers and banks and refiners and mints and um, uh, mining companies and investors. I mean, everybody. 
kind of got lulled into this, well, it's just always going to be here kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, like in three weeks last year, you go from 18 to 28. Well, you know, th- th- we had seven years of going sideways before a, what has been now 13 months, kind of consolidating those gains, kind of, you know, flagging sideways. I guess that's not necessarily surprising, maybe, in the long-term view. But again, we want to stay above 22. Um, yeah. And we don't want to start revisiting the teens again. Um but we'll see. It's going to be this is going to be a crazy week, like you said. Yeah. And if it gets, you know, China's on holiday. <laughs> uh, that's what's even more intriguing. What do they call it? Their mid-autumn festival, you know, some kind of pagan commie crap, you know. Uh, so they're on some mid-autumn festival today and they won't be trading tonight, you know, Tuesday either. And so God knows what's coming Wednesday. And then, like you said, you got Powell wrapping up Wednesday. I, you know, gold bounce back some today even with the, when the dollar was up. And I think at some point there's some people going, huh, <clears throat> maybe that taper schedule might get pushed back a little bit, you know, it, which cracks me up, Trevor, because all of a sudden when we fell 40 bucks back on Thursday, it was because, oh, now, you know, taper. Like, this is the first time anybody figured this out? Yeah. You know, oh, now they might taper. We've been talking about this for six months. But whatever. Uh, keep, the, keep the dialogue alive, you know. Right. <laughs> Got to give the financial press something to write about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, like like last night, you know, all this stuff's crapping in, in China and the dollar's rallying. And I see a headline from Bloomberg that says dollar rallies as taper fears loom. I'm like, what? Or taper fears grow, I think is what it said. I'm like, wait a second. This has been like I said, this has been going on since June, if not longer. And uh, anyway, yeah, I, I saw a headline from The Wall Street Journal. I didn't read the article, but the headline that got pushed me was um how we uh how we were effective in the economic recovery from covid and i was like oh i got to read that one because the headline itself is just somewhat laughable right, right, right. well and as we speak um and i i know you, people probably be listening to this today it's about 10 before noon eastern time and as we speak uh, the S&P 500 is just about to make new lows versus 7.30 this morning. In fact, there's a tick right there uh, on the S&P 500. So this could still get pretty interesting this afternoon. Yeah. Um, and so I suspect this is going to be the dominant topic, at least until Wednesday, and then through Wednesday into the end of the week. Uh, <laughs> Craig, it's, uh, let's be sure to catch up once again in the next couple of weeks and see how things kind of play out. Uh, at the end of the quarter here and in start of the fourth quarter. But until then, I, and this might be short-lived, I'm not talking about markets here, Craig. I'm talking about the Denver Broncos being the top of the AFC West. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, losing that one for us yesterday because we're gonna the donkeys are going to take it for a little bit. I, you can have it. I'm kind of tired of football for now. Um, yeah, that was, one loss, games. one loss, and you want to quit. <laughs> yeah, that Chief game was, uh, yeah, you know, a little challenging to watch last night. But I, I will probably by the time we get to January, it might look a little different. But uh, no, it, it's going to be um, a very interesting week, and I, I suspect people are going to need to pay pretty close attention. Yeah, we're now breaking down on the S and P as we speak, and uh, down eighty three points, almost two percent. And um, again, watch that daily chart with the fifty day moving average. And we'll see where it goes. And if I add one last thing, I know, you know, the mining shares are obviously impacted by all of this. Uh, but on my side, I mainly talk about physical precious metal um, and have, you know, that's always been the theme. 
And look, the price, just to always remind people, you know, the price you see on a daily basis, okay, whatever. But that does not reflect its value. And uh, I'd encourage everybody to keep that in mind. I'd say my stack of metal is more valuable than it was back on Friday, more valuable than it was a few weeks ago. It's more valuable than it was a couple of years ago. Um, we got to make, make sure we distinguish between price and value, that's for sure. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for that note, Craig. It's a great pleasure to always chat with you whenever we do get to make it happen. Uh, we'll talk to you here in the next couple of weeks. How's that sound? Sounds good, my friend. All the best. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak to a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.